Well, I am really glad to get to come to preach for you tonight because I heard the preacher gets to take off his mask. No, I'm glad to be here for other reasons than that too, but uh, I'm glad to be with you. Did everybody get one of the handouts, so just a white two-sided handout? Perfect. If you would take just a couple of minutes, and I don't even mean a couple of minutes, but if you'll just take a little bit and write down some things there. Maybe you've already started doing it. I hope you did. Uh, maybe that you have struggled with in 2020. Just write a couple of things down if you would. That will help us uh, as we go forward. And uh, I want to share some thoughts with you tonight from Scripture that I think will be a, I hope will be a blessing to you. They've been a blessing to me. And uh, I, as I often say, I usually try to preach something that touches my heart because I hope that that will in, a, in turn touch, touch your heart as well. So if you've written down a couple of things that you have been struggle, you've struggled with this year, uh, probably there's a pretty long list, maybe longer than most years. We've had a challenging year this year as a, as a country, really as a world. And then uh, I want you to just jot down some things that you'd like God to take out of your life. And uh, I hope that won't be a person's name, but uh, you know, just something maybe that you've struggled with that it, you would really feel like it would be a blessing if God would remove it from you. Uh, and then turn to Isaiah chapter 55 while you're doing all that. Boy, I'm asking you to multitask tonight. And we are, I'm assuming, are done by eight. Is that correct, Lawrence? Pastor Larty, sorry. I want to give the respect, the honor where honor is due. So you've written down some things you've struggled with maybe this year, and you've written down some things you'd like to see God maybe take away from your life. Um, and by the way, we all have some of these things. We all struggle with things. Uh, nobody's guaranteed a, a free ride or an easy pass in life. Uh, that's not the way the Bible has been written. I know there are some TV evangelists that tell you if, if everything's not great in your life, it's because you lack faith. Those guys haven't read their Bibles very well because some of the greatest Christians recorded in Scripture uh, had problems that were well beyond themselves. I think about Job. Uh, Job is, it was described there for us in the beginning of the book of Job as a man who was perfect and upright uh, in all of his ways. He feared the Lord and he pushed away from evil. Uh, he was the man God pointed to when the devil came through to accuse the brethren and said, have you seen my servant Job? And if you remember the story of the book of Job, God allowed Satan to remove all of Job's possessions, including his ten children. And then God allowed Satan to touch his body with, uh, with uh, boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And, and then God allowed him to have three friends who pointed out every rotten thing Job had ever done in his life. I don't know about you, but if you're a friend like that, don't come visit me when I'm in trouble, all right? But that was Job's story. And then I think about Daniel. Daniel, as a young teenage boy, is taken from Israel, and, and he's placed in Babylon, a pagan uh, nation. And there he is told, hey, guess what? Great news. You're going to get to eat the meat of the king and drink the wine of the king. But Daniel knows that that wine and that, that meat has been offered to idols, and by his convictions of his faith and what he knows the Word of God teaches, he resists that. It puts him in a very bad spot. Uh, he had three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow 
when the, uh, the golden image of the king was erected and the music played, they refused to bow. They were thrown into a fiery furnace. And just a couple of chapters later, uh, Darius uh, signs a decree that says anybody who prays to anyone except for him is going to be thrown into a lion's den. And Daniel finds himself in the lion's den. Jump ahead to the New Testament. And the first, one of the first deacons named in the church, named Stephen, is stoned to death because of his faithfulness to the message of the Word of God. Um, I think about uh, COVID. This year, it, it hit us somewhere around March, I believe, beginning in March and, and these months since. And it's still a very hot topic uh, in the news today. And we're still waiting on how much freedom we're going to be allowed to have and when we'll be able to do certain things and all of that. And then as you look at our nation, we've seen racial unrest, we've seen political unrest, we've seen economic upheaval. And we look at all of these things. Now, what do all of these things have in common that we've just talked about? You're allowed to talk tonight even though you have a mask on. What do all of those things have in common? All right, let me help you out. Are those things negative or, or are these things positive we've just looked at? They're all negative. However, I want to show you that God can take what looks really bad and what is negative, And God can bring glory to himself in those things. And he has all through scriptures. Uh, if we look at Job, he lost everything. But what does the Bible tell us at the end of the book of Job? God blessed him with double what he had had before. Uh, Daniel refused to eat the king's meat and drink his wine. And what happened when, when uh, he, my wife's signing to me. So she's talking to me right in the middle of the message. I thought she was correcting me, but she was giving me her answer. <laughs> Got to watch her. She's a sneaky one. But anyway, uh, God exalted Daniel. Daniel and, and his fellows who did the same thing were found to be wiser than the others. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know the story, right? They're thrown into the fiery furnace. They're bound. The men who throw them in are burned alive because they had heated it seven times hotter. And yet, when Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fiery furnace, what did he see? What did he see? He saw four men in there, right? And he said, the fourth looks like he is the same as the Son of God. When they came out of that fiery furnace, by the way, their hair was not singed, their clothing was not burned. The only thing that burned off were the ropes that were holding them. And God brought them out, and Nebuchadnezzar made an incredible declaration of the greatness of our God. Uh, you think about Daniel in the lion's den, and Darius, the king, loved Daniel and wanted him to be spared. Matter of fact, if you read that passage carefully, you'll see that it says that Darius was grieved that he had signed the decree because he realized Daniel would be praying to his God. And yet, when he comes back the next morning, by the way, who did not sleep all night, Daniel or Darius? And Darius didn't sleep. I think Daniel slept like a rock or maybe like a lion. I don't know. But uh, he slept all night long. Darius comes back in the morning and says, oh, Daniel, please let me hear your voice. And Daniel calls out to him. And Darius makes another decree of the faithfulness of our God. Uh, Again, Stephen stoned to death for his faith. But the man holding the coats of the men who stoned him to death's name was? Saul of Tarsus. Did God use Saul of Tarsus in any way in the future? Of course he did. He became Paul, the Apostle Paul. Uh, 
what's going to come out of, of COVID? You say, oh man, we, you know, COVID has shut down our churches. And we, we all panicked, by the way, in the beginning. We didn't know what we were going to do. And uh, we were all isolated. We weren't allowed to go out. We had to do live stream. All of a sudden, Baptist pastors all over the world who had preached against technology are now trying to figure out how to use the technology so they can get the gospel out. Amen? We, have, we do meetings with the deaf we call Fantastic Saturdays. Deaf will come from about a, a two-hour radius into a central location, and we have an all-day meeting with them. It's a Saturday meeting from 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. Well, of course, with COVID, we weren't able to do all this. So we had a meeting in, in, in Rhode Island that was scheduled for the end of September. We were really gearing up thinking we're going to be able to do it. And then we realized that the state of Rhode Island had put a travel restriction on almost every other state in the country, which meant if we were going to go there, we'd have to be there two weeks ahead of time. We would have to quarantine for two weeks. Then we could do the meeting. We'd have to quarantine before we left. Uh, we couldn't do the meeting. So the pastor called and he said, we hate to cancel the meeting. Is there anything we can do? I said, how about if we try a virtual Fantastic Saturday? So my wife on a Fantastic Saturday, she plays games with the deaf and, and the hearing that are there as well. She gives away prizes. Uh, she's the fun, in charge of the fun. I'm in charge of the boring. I teach and preach all day. So what we did was we, we contacted, we had a deaf pastor from Atlanta, Georgia was coming up. He was going to come up and be one of our speakers. There's a deaf leader in the church there in Rhode Island that was going to be one of the speakers, and I was going to be. So they recorded messages, and I did everything live. We did Facebook Live, and uh, Terry did a games, and she did songs throughout the Facebook Live. We did it from, I think, 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. 9 o'clock to noon, that's what it was. I knew that, just seeing if she was paying attention. For we started at 9 o'clock in the morning, we finished at noon. So we had three hours of that. And, and uh, we normally, in that meeting in Rhode Island, we'd have normally somewhere between 40 to 80 people, somewhere in that range. We had 1,200 people watch the live stream. 1,200 people. We had Catholics from California watching the live stream. Uh, can I say to you, uh, the, deaf, the leader of the deaf there at the church, he's funny. He said, man, if we had all those people here, we'd have never been able to feed them all because we have lunch in the middle of the day. I said, yeah, the Lord took care of that. Now, listen, I don't know what's going to come of all that our nation's going through right now, but I do know one thing. My heavenly father has not left the throne. Amen. And my heavenly father is able to take what appears to be negative to me and to you, and by the way, to Job and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and Stephen, God can take these things that to us look like a negative, and he can turn them into a positive. Look at Isaiah chapter 55. I want you to read a few verses with me. And it's, it's really important that I know we know these passages, but please do me this favor. Don't say, oh yeah, I've read that before and skip over it. There's a reason you remember these passages. There's depth and there's power in these promises from the Word of God. Look at uh, Isaiah 55. You know these verses well, but follow along as I read. Verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he, God, will have mercy upon that man, upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon 
For my thoughts, God speaking now, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's a few things in this passage I want to point out. And, and in your notes there, I've left you some spaces to fill in. You don't have to fill them in if you don't want. This is America. It's the land of the free and the home of the brave. If you don't want to fill them in, you don't have to. I just gave them to you for something to hopefully take back with you. Maybe stick in, the, in a page of your Bible and one day look back and reflect and be an encouragement to you. But here's some lessons that I learned. This passage begins with us seeking the Lord. Right from the very first verse. And folks, can I tell you today, uh, Lawrence and I, or Pastor Lardy and I were talking about it at dinner tonight. Revival in America is not going to come from the White House. You know that. Hello? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. It's going to start right here. Revival is going to start, not, by the way, not in the church. Revival is going to begin in my heart as a believer, in your heart as a believer, as you humble yourself and pray and seek God's face and turn from your wicked ways, and I do that too, guess what? God's going to hear from heaven. And he can heal a land if individual believers will get right with him. So it's time for us to stop blaming the Democrats and blaming the Republicans and blaming different people of different colors and nationalities. And we need to begin to look where we live and say to God, what is it in me? Seek the Lord first and call on him and stop calling on somebody else. Don't call your pastor and ask him to take care of your problems. Don't call the president and ask him to take care of your problems. Call on your God who can take care of the problems. Seek ye first the king, or I'm sorry, I got into Matthew there. Sorry, I just flipped right to Matthew. But seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. By the way, is he near? He's near. Just two weeks ago, tomorrow, my dad breathed his last breath on this earth and stepped into heaven. And, and I want to tell you something. Uh, it's when you get into the face of death, when you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, If you're not a believer, there are all kinds of fears that will surround you and engulf you. But when you're a believer and you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what happens? You have to fear what? No evil. Why? Because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23 is a great passage. Six short verses. David in the first three verses talks about the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me, he restore, he leads me, etc., etc. We get to verse 4, and that's the pivotal verse. That's the, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Look what happens with the pronoun in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for what? Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. Guess what? David stops talking about the shepherd and begins to talk to the shepherd. Why is that? Because the Lord is near. And when you get in the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is near. When you have troubles, guess what? The Lord is near. And he can be called upon. Let's move on or I'll never get through. So the second thing there on your paper, it's important for us to realize that we don't have all the information. God says here, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You don't have all the information. Have you ever had your child ask you for something and and you know more than they know and you say no to them? I can't give you that now. 
and they, they just start crying, and they do their little thing where they fall on the floor, and if they're like uh, Pastor Lardy when he was a little boy, probably bang his head on the floor a few times. You, did you bang your head on the floor when you I thought you might have. But guess what? That child doesn't have all the information the parent does. Is that correct? And, and I'm not so foolish to believe that I have all the answers that God knows in heaven. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are certainly not my ways. I would have things a whole lot different if it were my way. But guess what? I'd be in a whole lot more trouble if I had it my way. We don't have all the information. As a result of not having all the information, we don't have all the answers we need. And I will never tell you that I know how everything's going to end or what, what should happen or what now. I think I know, but I have found out pretty often that I'm wrong a lot of times. And so uh, regardless of, here's your next fill-in, regardless of how things look around us, it is important that we discover the thoughts and ways of God. So it's discover thoughts and ways. It's important that we discover the thoughts and the ways of God. Well, how in the world can we do that? Here are your next fill-ins. What do you think the first one is? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Word of God, very good. Who said that? You're the winner. Word of God is, is a fill in there. So how, do you, how are we going to know? How can we know the thoughts and the, the ways of God? Well, we've got to get in the book. And can I say to you, as much as people pick on the Word of God and claim it's not real and it's not the truth, I'm going to tell you today, I believe without a doubt in my mind that this book was breathed by God onto these pages for you and I. Now listen to me. How many of you believe that? You would agree with me? This is the Word of God. It's, it's His Word. Outstanding. How many of you read it? This, don't raise your hand. I mean, let's be honest. If this is the Word of God, and we said it is, then we ought to be reading it. Am I correct? There is no excuse. There's no way a man can claim to be a man of God and not be in the Word of God every day of his life. There's no way you can claim to be a child of God and want to know God and not get in the one book he gave you. And so I want to really encourage you. By the way, I didn't come here to beat you up. But if you do want to know the thoughts and the ways of God, you've got to get in the Word of God. There's no secret about it. The second thing there, what do we need to do? We need to pray. We need to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, praying, I've heard people say, well, why should I pray? God already knows everything. He knows everything I'm going to say to him, and he knows what I'm going to ask. Can I be honest with you? Prayer is more communication, correct? It's me talking to God, but guess what happens while I'm praying to God? He gets a chance to speak to my heart, too. How many of you have been praying to God? You've been pouring your heart out about something, and God touches your heart with something or someone. Has that ever happened to you before? Happens to me pretty regularly. So I want to pray. I want to pray because I want to hear, I want God to touch my heart. Uh, there are times when I'm praying and God brings a person's name to my mind. And while I'm praying, I pray for that person. The next thing I do, I either shoot him a text or I give him a call or I drop him an email and say, hey, God touched my heart to pray for you today. And I just want you to know, I ask God to give you whatever it is that you need. Uh, prayer is an important part. And then the last thing that I have there, the third thing about how we're going to know God, his thoughts and his ways is, go is godly counsel. Godly counsel. I think it's really important. Now, I, here's something I taught my wife, and you don't have to listen to this if you don't want, because it's really common and it's kind of crude. But my wife, sometimes people will criticize uh, my wife or myself or one of our kids or something. And uh, my wife takes every criticism to heart. And here's what I tell her. Don't pay attention to the goobers. 
don't pay attention to the goobers. If somebody's not godly and they want to criticize me, I say, thank you so much. I'm kind. I thank you so much for your help. And I don't pay attention to them. But if a godly person comes to me and says, Jim, I watched this in your life. I think this needs to change. I want to change that. I'm not going to listen to the goobers, but I am going to listen to the godly. So I want to say to you today, are you with me? You so, you know, the masks, I can't tell if you're really, you know, you're not, I don't know if you're smiling at me or if you're like, I don't know what you're doing out there. But, but listen to me, there's plenty of goobers in the world today. Would you agree with that? Oh, there's a whole lot of goobers. You need to be careful who you listen to. You really need to be careful who you listen to. Get godly counsel from people whose lives demonstrate that they walk with God and they believe that book. Not only do they believe it, but they live it. And I want to really encourage you with that. Turn to Genesis chapter 50, and we're going to have to go a little quickly. So Genesis chapter 50, right to the end of the book, verse uh, chapter uh, 50 is the last chapter in this book. And I'll give you a little of the background uh, as you know the story, Joseph has gone to Egypt ahead of his family, and uh, God has used him to tell the Pharaoh's dream, and he has predicted seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. You know the story. Uh, in the meantime, his brothers and his dad need food, and his dad sends his brothers to Egypt to get food because they're the only people that have it. And uh, when they arrive there, they eventually find out Joseph is the man who's there, and uh, Jacob comes to Egypt, and he ends up spending the last years of his life, and he dies while they are in Egypt. They take his body back to where his burial place would be, and that's where we pick up in Genesis, or, yeah, Genesis chapter 50. Look at beginning in verse 15 with me. And when Joseph's brother, brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we have done unto him. Uh, certainly Joseph's going to hate us and he's going to get us back is what he said. Verse 16. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sins. And they did not, they did, for they did evil. They did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of God, uh, the God of, the, of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake to him. His brothers said, hey, listen, now, you know, I know our father's dead, but our father said, you're supposed to forgive us and, and, and take it easy on us, because uh, we really didn't mean to do anything bad to you. Verse 18, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. They said, behold... We be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am, am I in the place of God? But as for you, verse 20, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Think about it for a moment. Joseph figured this out. His brothers didn't get the picture. But Joseph realized very quickly that, that uh, what they had done to him, God used. It was a negative, but God used it for a positive. So your first fill in there underneath this passage is, dark days come to everyone. You know, sometimes it, it frustrates me because I hear these guys on TV saying things like, you know, if you have faith enough to believe, your bank account will be full and you'll be driving a Cadillac like me and you'll be able to have million dollar homes like me and... They don't say that part, but they do have all that stuff. 
But their, their inference is that if you're walking with God, you will not have problems in your life. And Joseph found out that wasn't true. Hey, was Joseph walking with God when, when he had the two dreams about the sheaves bowing down and the stars and the moon bowing down to him? Of course he was. He would have never been able to get the dream if he hadn't been walking with God. And was he thrown into the pit while he was walking with God? Sure he was. And so our dark days are going to happen to everyone. And I want you to understand that when Joseph was thrown into that pit, it wasn't a good day for him. And when he heard the caravan come by and found his brothers bartering to sell him into slavery, that wasn't a great day for Joseph. He goes to the home of Potiphar and he ends up uh, getting a job in a very nice place and he works his way up the ladder and gets promoted there in Potiphar's home. But then Potiphar's wife accuses him of of improper relations with her. And, And Potiphar, without even asking Joseph what happened, throws him into prison. And he's in prison for quite a while until the butler and the baker come through. The butler of Pharaoh and the baker come through. You know the story. They both have dreams. Joseph tells them each what their dream means. The butler's dream, in three days you're going to be exalted or put back in your position as the butler. The baker heard that dream and thought, oh, that's good news. I want to hear what mine is. And Joseph told him, your head's going to be cut off and the birds are going to eat it. That's not such a good dream. And of course, that's exactly what happened. And Joseph, as the butler is walking out of the prison, what does Joseph say to him? Hey, remember me when you get to Pharaoh. Would you remember me? The butler makes him that promise. You got it, brother. I'm with you. I'll remember you. How long was it till the butler actually remembered Joseph? Two full years. 700 plus days. Until the butler, it dawns on him, and it only dawned on him because Pharaoh had the dream. So here's what I want you to see. Here's your next fill-in. Without the pit, Joseph would have never seen the palace. If he had never gone to the pit, he would never have been sold into Potiphar's household. He would never have been lied about there and thrown into prison. If he had never been in prison, he would have never met the butler. If he had never met the butler, the butler wouldn't have known he could interpret the dream. You get where I'm going, right? You see God's hand. Now, did Joseph know God's hand all the way through? Did Joseph see the palace from the pit? He did not. Did Joseph see the palace from Potiphar's house? He did not. Did he see it from prison? He certainly did not see it from prison. But in the plan of God, without the pit, he would have never made it to the palace. So let me give you these fill-ins. We need to realize that the individual challenges we're going through The individual events of our lives that are not what we planned for are not uh, the good, you know, the the wonderful mountaintop things that we go through. They'd be more on this negative side of things. The individual challenges we're going through may be the stepping stones that God provides in order for us to come to the place that we can glorify him most effectively. Are you with me? Now, I know you're filling in blanks, but I hope you really got what I just said to you. Those individual challenges, instead of looking them at them as negatives, let's look at them as stepping stones that God has placed along our path to move us and to shape us. You say, I applied for this job. I deserve it, but I didn't get the job. Uh, God didn't answer my prayer. Uh, I disagree. God probably did answer your prayer. And years later, you're going to figure out God did something way better for you than that job would have ever done for you. And God may have put you in a place. How many of you know the name Johnny Erickson Tata? 
You know the name? Uh, the, night she, the day she broke her neck, I'm pretty sure she did not think, I'm going to have a worldwide ministry because of this. But she does. She would never have had that. I don't think we would know her name. She lives in California. We'd have never known her name here in, in New Jersey if it weren't for what God did with her. But it was stepping stones for her to be able to glorify God better. So if you think about it, now listen, I work with a deaf, so I never do literated messages because the deaf don't get that. But for you hearing, I'm really impressed with myself. So God took uh, Joseph from the pit to Potiphar to prison to the palace. Four Ps right there. That's pretty impressive. Here's what I do want you to remember, though. I'm just teasing about that. I do want you to remember this. There was one constant in the life of Joseph from the dream to the pit to Potiphar to prison to palace. There was one constant. The Spirit of God was evident in the workings of Joseph's life. Wherever he went, it was obvious that the Spirit of God had his hand on Joseph. And so here's what I want to stress to you tonight, tonight, and we're getting close to the end here, but I want to stress this to you. The key for you and I in the difficult days we live in today and the negatives that keep piling up over here, and if we're not careful, we focus on the negatives and we forget that God is at work, but keep this in mind. It is vitally important for believers to have evidence that the Spirit of God is working in our lives. It's vital. I said to you, my dad passed away uh, two weeks ago tomorrow. Is that right? Two weeks tomorrow. Um, we have a neighbor, couple that live across the street from us. They're neighbors of ours, a young couple. They have a little boy and a little girl. And they've been really wonderful to us. They come over and check on my dad when we travel. They would come over and check on my dad. And, and then his dad got worse and worse and worse, and his health was declining, and he was unable to get around much. Uh, his big activity was to go sit on his porch, which faced their home. And every time the wife would come home with the kids and dad was out on the porch, she would always come over and just chat with dad. And he loved, he loved kids. He always did. And he'd dote on the kids. And, and they were real bashful. And uh, they were, you know, a little afraid of him. And they wouldn't really come over. But they came over every time. We invited them to come, obviously, to the funeral. And they came. They, spent, they came for the funeral service. Uh, they came for the graveside service. And uh, this past weekend, Terry and I had meetings in Connecticut. And so we had to leave. Uh, we left Saturday. And we asked them if they'd get our mail for us on Saturday. And Terry went back over there uh, Monday morning. We got back home. And Terry went across the street to get our mail and just to let them know we were back. And um, the wife said, my husband cannot get over how many people loved your dad. Uh, there was a stack of cards like this. And Terry said, oh, well, you don't understand. This is one day's. I've got a stack just like that we got today, and we've been getting those for days on end. We have stacks of cards from believers, Christians, from all over the place who know us, know our kids, knew my dad. And, but this unsaved person recognized something about our testimony and the love of believers for other believers. By the way, that should be the way it is. Amen? Amen. Hello? Amen. We have so much bickering and fighting and backbiting. I'd like to say it's out in the world, but some of it filters into the church. 
And can I say to you, that ought never to be the case. We need to make sure we live like the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. And we need to behave that way. That means that it doesn't matter what's going on in the world outside of us. This ought to be a lighthouse where people can come and find genuine. Are you all with me? Can you just do this if you are? Because I can't see your lips. I, I, wanted, I want Faith Baptist to have a greater impact in 2020 than it's ever had before. Because I'm going to tell you, the darker the world gets, and it's getting dark. Would you agree with me? It's getting really dark. Not just America, by the way. This is the whole wide world. Venezuela, you think you have it bad. At least you got in your car and drove here tonight. How about that? They haven't been able to drive anywhere. They're trying to do meetings where they can walk. Listen, I'm going to tell you, the darker it gets, the brighter the smallest light will shine. And the Spirit of God ought to be evident in our lives. Amen? It really should be. So let's stop, let's stop focusing on the negatives of the world tonight and begin to focus on we've got a God who can take our negatives and make them into stepping stones so that we can glorify Him and say to God, My life is yours! Whatever you want to do, wherever you want to do it, and however you want to do it, I want to be fully surrendered to you, and I want to live in a way that the world can see the Spirit of God lives within me. Joseph lived that way. Turn to the book of Romans. I'm told that this was my grandfather's favorite verse, Romans chapter 8. You know this verse. And again, don't tune me out because you know it. You probably memorized it. That's all right. Romans 8 and verse 28, you know, it always bothers me when somebody who's not having any problems comes to me when I'm in the middle of my problems and quotes this verse to me. Now, please forgive me. I'm, I, I want to be a spiritual man, but I am a man in flesh. And, I, I, you know, people come to me and I'm, in a, I'm having a really hard challenge and a hard challenging time in my life. And I have this guy come to me and he says it like this. Now, my, my dear brother, and here's the way they always talk to you. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I want to smack them right in the mouth. I'm sorry. That is in the flesh, I, I will admit. That's the flesh. But when a guy does that to me, I just want to hammer him. I really do. And see if he can still quote the verse. That was really bad. Do not, do not follow that there at all. But they tell me that this was my grandfather's life verse. My grandfather was saved at age 25. He told my grandmother, I've lived for the devil for 25 years. I want to live for God for the rest of my life. He only lived another 25 years. I think I've told his story here before. He was stung by wasps and killed. My mom was only 12. Uh, he literally was stung by wasps, and in seconds he died. Obviously, he had an allergy to them, and in those days you didn't know all that. Uh, but when my grandmother was left with eight children in the middle of the Great Depression, in a home where there was no life insurance or anything like that, this verse resounded in the hearts and lives of her and her children. And we know that all things, look at it there, verse 28, we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's look at the verse just a little bit, would, would you? The first fill in there under that verse is all, all things. You'll notice that it doesn't say all the good things, or all the easy things, or all the enjoyable things. 
The all there means all. All things, whatever comes into your life. And you know, I, I heard this described when I was a teenager in youth group. And, 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 and Pastor Lardy, some of what you're saying is going to get through to those teens, I promise you. I don't remember everything my youth, my youth worker said to me. But I remember one of them saying that nothing can come into the life of a believer unless it first passes through the approval of God. Which means if God approved it, then what? I need it. So we know that all things, that includes the death of my dad two weeks ago. Was that a good thing? It, it, it is a good thing. Uh, praise God, my dad trusted Christ when he was nine years old. And, and uh, he was 85 when he died two weeks ago. And he stepped right into heaven. Uh, you know what? My dad said to me one night, uh, we had the privilege. My, our, my dad lived with Terry and I for 17 years. My mom for four years. She died 13 years ago. And my dad, uh, we had the privilege the last few months to just really take care of my dad. And one night I had tucked my dad into bed and I would always pull the sheet up and then I'd pull the blanket up and I'd tuck it in around his shoulders and I'd say, Dad, I love you. And he'd always look at me and he'd say, I love you more than you'll ever know. But one night I I had gone back upstairs and we had a little monitor down there that Amanda and Lawrence had left at our house accidentally and we used it while they didn't know it. We'll have to give it back to him now that I told the story. But we had that little monitor down there for my dad, and I'd keep the other monitor up with me wherever I happened to be. And, and I was up there, and I heard, Jim! I came running down the steps. I don't know what's, you know, I'm hoping he didn't fall out of bed or something. I get down there. He's still laying there, totally tucked in. And I, I came over, and I said, yeah, Dad, what do you need? My dad looked me in the eye. I'll never forget it. He looked at me, and he said, Jim, I'm dying. I said, Dad, I know you are. He said, but I want you to know I'm not worried about it. I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I know it. I'm sure I'm going to heaven. I said, Dad, I'm confident of that too. He said, okay, good night. (laughs) He just wanted me to know I'm dying, but I'm okay with dying. Can I tell you that for the believer, all things really do work together for good. So all includes every last part of everything. The, The next word that's there, all things work. Now, one of the things my dad taught me, and he taught me thousands of things, but one of the things my dad taught me that anything worth having was worth working hard for. I appreciate that. Uh, We need to teach that to our young people today, amen? Well, let's try that again. We need to teach that to our young people today, amen? Amen. Our young people need to know that if if you want something and it's worth it, you're going to have to work to get that. It doesn't just fall in your lap. I have to tell a story on Mrs. Lardy tonight. I can remember Amanda, she got to the age where she was uh, ready to drive and, and she was talking about getting a job, you know, so she could get a car and different things. And, and uh, I said to her, I said, Amanda, there's, I noticed down there Burger King down the road, they have a sign out there that help wanted. And she said, well, Dad, I don't want to work there. It's no fun working there. <laughs> I said, honey. It's called work. It's not called fun. It's called work. We need to teach our children that anything worth having takes work. Hey, can I tell you something? It's the same in spiritual life. Do you want to be called a man of God? It's going to require work. Do you want to be a a woman that other women will come to for advice? It's going to require work on your part. 
If you want to be a mother who raises their children to love God and honor God, it's going to require work. If you want to be a father who earns the respect of your children and one day when you're laying in a casket can stand and give testimony about all the wonderful things you've taught, it's going to require work. All things work together. That word together is really important. For good. Now, I, I'm going to mess this up. I should really figure this out before I get up to do this. But working together, uh, I think about a, a cake mix. I always do this. My wife's probably like, oh, here we go again. I honestly don't have a clue what it takes to make a cake. I know you've got to put it in this pan and you've got to do this a bunch. And then you put it in the oven and it comes out and it's great. But I noticed my wife measuring stuff and, you know, pushing stuff off and dumping it in and a little bit of this and a little bit. Of, I don't know what all that stuff is. I just know one thing. Individually, the stuff she's putting in there, I don't want to eat. Are you with me? She tells me it takes flour. I did try to eat a little bit of flour once, just straight flour. Anybody else tried that before? It's really wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's pitiful. So go home and try it tonight, would you? Just take a teaspoon of flour. You will gag. It's horrible. But if you put the right amount of flour, of flour and salt and, and butter and... Well, you've got to put butter, I'm assuming. Do you have to put butter in a cake? If you want it to be good, you put butter in it. I can tell you that right now. But anyway, you take all those things. But individually, those things aren't the greatest. But all together, they work. And, and it's the same with our lives. If God gave us all blessings in our lives, we would never know the joy of a finished product of a life that's been through the difficult times. Job was able to say some incredible things during his book. If you haven't read the book of Job in a while, go back and read it. Some of the greatest verses in our Bible are in the book of Job. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and in the latter day, you know, uh, uh, though he try me, or though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Uh, when he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. There's so many great verses in that book that come out of this process of being worked together, good, bad, and all the other things. Those things are all needed. Individually, they're not great, but altogether, they're wonderful. It goes on to say there in that verse that they work together for good to them that love God. Now, may I say to you tonight, I... I believe the word of God is true, every word of it, and every word's placed in the right place. So according to this verse, this promise of everything working together for good is not for everybody. Is that correct? It is for those who love God. So without a love for God, there is no guarantee that bad things are going to produce good results. If you don't love God... And by the way, we live in a world filled with this. Oh man, I'm in trouble. Will you pray for me? How many people that you know who curse God with one voice, the next day they've got, a, they've got a problem and they're coming and asking you to pray to the same God they cursed the day before, but now they're going to pray to him because they don't know where else to turn. Uh, that promise is not for them, I'm sorry. But this promise is for those who love God. Uh, this promise is not for an unbeliever. This promise is for a believer. And so I want you to realize, and even for believers, it's important that we stay deeply, passionately in love with our Heavenly Father. So that when we have needs, we know where to find Him. Amen? 
You know, I, I think about my dad so many. There's so many memories I have of my dad, but I can remember uh, one day. Now, I'm really old, all right? So my monsters are really old, the monsters I remember. I don't even know the names of the monsters today. But the name of the monster when I was a real little kid was Frankenstein. And I was not allowed to watch. We never went to the movies, so I never went to a movie theater to see him. But I don't know how I saw a picture of Frankenstein with the bolts in his neck, the flat head, you know, with this crack in his forehead. All I know is this. One night, I was laying in my bed. My sister and I had bunk beds. She was on the bottom, and I was on the top. And uh, in our, you had to come through our bedroom to get into my mom and dad's bedroom, the house we lived in. And I'm not lying to you, Frankenstein came in my room one night. Yep, I was laying right there. I opened my eyes. I saw him come through the door. He came over toward my bed. He looked down at me. I closed my eye, one eye, because I had to keep the other one to make sure he wasn't going to get me. And uh, he looked down at my sister, and he walked back out. I jumped out of the top bunk. I ran in and got my dad. And I said, Dad, 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 Frankenstein is in the house. Dad said, okay, I'm coming. My poor dad. <laughs> you know, he came in there. He walked through the bedroom. He said, where did he go? I said, he went out that door. Okay, I'll take care of him. He went out the door, and, and he told me that he chased him away. Whew. So we were all good. Because you know what? My dad took care of it. Uh, by the way, I was close to my dad. My dad was close to me. Now, I'm telling you a silly story, obviously. Frankenstein is not real, and he wasn't in my bedroom. But as a little boy, my comfort was in being near my dad. And my comfort today in this mixed-up world we live in is being able to be close to my Heavenly Father. So I want to encourage you to love God with all your heart. And then the last part of the verse says, according to his purpose. I want you to realize today that God does have a purpose for everything that's happening around us. This mixed-up world we live in, the difficult times you've been through, the times that Joseph went through and Daniel and all these other people that I mentioned in Scripture, the difficulties that they went through all were designed for the purpose of God. Think about Jonah for just a second. Got swallowed by a whale for three days and nights, had to live inside there. Wouldn't want to do that for any, anything. But God had a purpose, didn't he? Because that whale puked him out right on Nineveh's shore. What do you know? Uh, I want to say to you that God has a purpose and his grand plan involves difficult times. It's not going to be an easy ride, but it will be successful. So let me give you the last fill-ins there. Difficult times today are meant to bring glory to God if we'll choose to continue to trust God for everything we need along the way. Difficult times today are meant to bring glory to God if we'll choose to continue to trust God for everything we need along the way. Folks, I don't know all of what you're facing today. Of course, you don't know what I'm facing either. One thing is for sure, the world we live in, (laughs) I say this to my wife more and more, I think I say it almost daily to her, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And so I want you to realize, I don't know what you're facing today, and I don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. I really don't. But I know one thing. Our God is already in tomorrow, and we can trust him. So I want to encourage you tonight with this thought. The bad things or the negative things that come into our lives, God will use in a positive way if we'll remain faithful to him. So here's the key. Stay faithful to God. Don't, don't stray from God. 
uh, as the world pushes against you and tells you God is not real and the Bible is not trustworthy, you just trust in the book more and more every day and live by it every day and see what God will do. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this book. Thank you for the, the power of scriptures. I pray tonight we've been an encouragement to these folks, not us, but the word of God. And that these things will resonate in their hearts and they'll be able to live them out this week. Lord, uh, help us to make a difference in the world we live. I believe we are living in the days that will precede your return. And I pray that you will help us to be faithful to you so that the world that watches us will be able to see our Savior and be able to trust him and become a child of God themselves. We pray, Father, that you will will minister to our hearts now through this whole time. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening.